This morning, guys, we're, we're going to look uh, at the disciples in general, but we're going to kind of focus in a little bit more on Peter in specific to, to see what we can learn about the process of growing as disciples of Jesus. You know, when I had this auto accident a few years back in 2017, and the Lord brought me through that, I, I knew that without a shadow of a doubt that, that he was not finished with me yet, that he had a purpose, and, and that I didn't, I, knew I didn't want to miss that. And somebody, there's all kinds of things out there, as long as, long as you're, you're breathing, you know, you, you know, God's not done with you yet. And I, I think we're here this morning as evidence that God has a purpose and plan for our lives. He is not finished with us yet. And I know that we don't want to miss what it is that he has us here for. That, that would be tragic. So the, the key for us, I think, and particularly as we start to get a little bit older, a little bit more mature age-wise, is to make sure we're continuing to mature spiritual-wise, to, to make sure that, that we are uh, still growing. So as we look at the size, I don't have my clicker today. We're just going to review just briefly here that we're, we're doing the Follow Me series lessons from the lives of the disciples. And the thesis is that God uses ordinary, or Jesus uses ordinary men to accomplish his extraordinary mission. And we have a, a couple of characteristics, about four characteristics of what we're talking about with the disciple. A disciple is called to faith in Christ, which is salvation. Disciples called to follow after Jesus Christ and to obey him, which we would say is sanctification. It's called to the mission, fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ and tell others about him. That would be the mission. And then the disciples also called the family in Christ's church, which is koinonia. Now, as we um, look at these this morning, if you have not yet had such an encounter with Jesus where you know that he is calling you these four things. And if you're not sure that, you know, you have actually been transformed from the inside out and received the Holy Spirit, if you're not sure that you're a born-again Christian, if you're not sure that you're going to be spending eternity with God, then I'd just like to encourage you this morning to say, okay, let's look at these. Faith in Jesus, obedience, following after, joining his mission. What's keeping me from it? What, what, why would I not do that? And for those of you online as well this morning, welcome you. If you have not yet accepted this call, just do yourself the favor this morning of at least answering the question or pursuing the question, why not? And for those of us who have, you've already accepted Jesus, in each of these four invitations, the questions that I have for you this morning are, are really uh, related to growth. Okay, now, uh, since the pandemic hit back in February, March, at least these last months that we've had this kind of uh, weirdness uh, globally with uh, the, the pandemic, have, have I grown in my understanding of salvation and my gratefulness for what Jesus has done on the cross, resurrection, and sending the Spirit? Have, have, have I grown in, in my Faithfulness to follow after Jesus in, in discipleship and sanctification. Have, have I become more committed to the mission of Jesus in these past months than I was before? And, or have, have I become more committed to the body of Christ in my local church family than, than I have in the past? So th those are some questions we'll be, be looking at. And I, I want to read the text for this morning 
It comes from Matthew chapter 14. Read verses 22 through 33. I'm going to be reading. I, I didn't get my ESV this morning. I've got my uh, Holman Christian Standard. So my, my text could be just a little bit different than what you guys have if you have the ESV. But this is about Jesus walking on the water toward the disciples. I just, you know, fed the 5,000. Jesus has sent them off, and he's uh, going to be coming to them. So immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already over a mile from the land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them, and Around three in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Well, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And climbing out of the boat... Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. And when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those in the boat worshipped him. And they said, Truly, you are the Son of God. This man's breakfast is intended to be really for the larger Williamsburg community. It's a ministry that's kind of sponsored by the Williamsburg Community Chapel. But we, we want it to be for men from any church or men from no church at all that, that are just interested in hearing and discussing what, what uh, we, we find out in the Bible, what it has to say about God, what it has to say about ourselves, what it has to say about life. And so ha- having said that, just a few Sundays ago, here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, our associate pastor, Rich Sylvester, gave a, a, a very good sermon on the exact same passage that, that I'm speaking about here this morning. And, and so that kind of gives me the luxury of taking a different angle and going into a, a little narrower focus just on discipleship and on the idea of making disciples. So if you did not see that message, it's available online by going to the, the watch and listen section of the chapel uh, website. And just scroll on down to September 20th, and you can hear Rich's message on, on that. Uh, but this morning we're going to focus particularly on Peter's growth uh, as, as a disciple. And if I can get my computer going here again. The big idea this morning is that we we learn from Peter's example that we grow as disciples 
by trying, by failing, turning to Jesus, rinse, repeat, basically. You just keep, keep doing it over and over and over. We're going to try things, and we're going to not succeed at first, and we're going to grow in our abilities, hopefully, as, as we continue to try. But we, each time we mess up, we just turn back to Jesus, and we do it again and again and again. And Peter is just a wonderful example of what that looks like in, in Scripture. So we're, we're going to be looking at, at three truths underneath of this big idea here this morning. And the first one of those that the lesson we'll look at is to see that, that Peter and the disciples' understanding of who Jesus was and what the kingdom of God that he came to establish, what that was like, how, how he, that, that vision moves from blurry to clear the more time they spend observing and interacting with, with Jesus. So at, at the beginning, their understanding was really fuzzy. You know, if, if we, we, we look back, they, they knew that he was somebody special. I mean, some of these guys were John the Baptist's disciples. We looked about this a few weeks back, and they left John the Baptist to go to follow Jesus. They said, is this the Messiah? Behold the Lamb of God. And, but they didn't know what that really meant yet. Um, and so Jesus patiently uh, revealed more and more truth to them about his identity and about his kingdom. And in the process, they learned a whole lot more about themselves and their own faith. So notice that we didn't say here that uh, their understanding increased with time. Okay? Time is not the healer of all wounds. Time, time is not the thing that makes everything better uh, as it goes by. And it's not a guarantee that if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, that after a time, you're going to be more mature. Uh, unfortunately, it's possible for some of us to come to faith in Christ at an early age, to respond to that gospel message of, of salvation, and then to go decade after decade after decade, and, and, and really not grow into mature disciples that are growing in sanctification and growing in the mission growing in our commitment to Christ's family with, with his church. Time itself does not necessarily make that happen. The issue is time spent observing Jesus and interacting with him. That, that's what made these disciples be able to grow. It was those three years that they had walking with Jesus 24-7, spending their time watching him do everything that he did and to teach everything that he taught. So let's look at the progression just a, a, a little bit here of, of their understanding of Jesus. In John 1.41, Andrew had been introduced to Jesus, and he then went and he found his brother, Simon Peter, and he told him, hey, we found the Messiah. And again, think of your average person probably at that time and their understanding of a Messiah who was going to be somebody in the line of David who was going to come and deliver Israel from their political foes. They, they were looking at this much more from a nationalistic, political vantage point rather than from the kingdom of God vantage point. And guys, it's, this is a timely word for us today, isn't it? We need to make sure that in the forefront of our minds, we're not thinking nationalistic here today. We're not thinking political today. Because we have a kingdom that is not of this world. A kingdom that has a much higher authority than this world has. A kingdom that is not corrupted like this world's kingdoms are. And so, as we look back in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8, we, we see the disciples once again were in a boat, and they were in the midst of a terrible storm. 
similar to the one that we read about in our passage in Matthew 14 this morning. And, and Jesus is asleep, right? And they, they cry out to Jesus, Lord, save us, Lord, we're perishing. Jesus wakes up, and, and just like in our passage, Jesus asks, why are you afraid? Uh, why do you have so little faith? And, and then he ordered the wind uh, and the waves to calm down. And then there was stillness and calm. And at that moment in time, the disciples asked a question to themselves. Do you remember that one? They said, who is this man that even the wind and the seas obey him? And so they'd gone from thinking he was the Messiah, kind of like David, and now they're moving up and they say, this is not any ordinary guy. We've never met anybody quite like this guy. Who can make the waves and the wind just stop at the power of the words? Well, well, who can do that but the Creator, right? And so Jesus is revealing in his perfect timing more and more about who, who he is. So we see the disciples' understanding of Jesus as the Messiah deepen with their question. And now in Matthew chapter 14, our passage from this morning, Jesus again calms a raging storm. And, and this time, the disciples say something different. After he gets into the boat with Peter and the, 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 the waves calm down, the wind calms down, they, they say, truly, you are the Son of God. And they worship him. It, Jesus welcomes their worship. He Jesus would have never accepted their worship if it was meant for the Father alone and not for him. But he, he accepted and received their worship, which was an affirmation. You guys are getting it right. I am indeed the Son of God. Now, when he came walking on the water, um, Jesus actually was starting to get to a point where he was going to invite their worship. Uh, when... They were afraid, and he, he saw them, and he was walking up along on the water. And remember what Jesus says from our passage this morning. He says, take heart. And then most of our English translations have this phrase, it is I. Okay, that's good in good English grammar, right? But, but that's not exactly what Jesus would have uh, been communicating to the uh, 12 disciples there. Because the Greek here is an emphatic I, myself, am, okay? And this is the exact expression that's always used in the Old Testament to translate Yahweh's name. As we look back to Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So when Jesus walks up to these guys on the water, he is saying, Take heart, I am. Do not fear. He was revealing himself there to them as the Lord. So it was it was not surprising them that they would worship him. Now, next Friday morning, Lee Hunter is going to share yet another proclamation by Peter about Jesus being the Messiah. And so I'm not going to go far on to that one this morning, but just to say that this one in Matthew 14 is still not all the way there yet. Because there's more that they're understanding about Jesus and who he is as the Messiah. And we'll get to that next week. And then they're going to see some things that they still did not get until after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. And then even more after the Holy Spirit came. 
their progression of understanding of who Jesus was and what his kingdom was like was just bits and bits at a time. Guys, it's, it's going to be like that for you and for me as well. And, and that little bit that we got at the point of salvation, we understood grace, that, that God had died for us, that we could not do it on our own, that it was not works, but it was by grace through faith. Uh, that is a beautiful truth about, about who Jesus is and about the kingdom that he brings, but it's still just scratching the surface of the gospel. It's still just getting us to that little bit of blurriness there that we've got to have to see something now. But as we grow in our interaction with Jesus, we spend more time with him in his word and prayer. We, we, we start to see the things that he's doing and he works in us. We become clearer and clearer and clearer in our vision of who he is and what his kingdom's about. So I, I believe that, that Peter's example here in Matthew 14 in this passage we have this morning teaches us the second truth also about following Jesus, and it's especially related to, to the mission of Jesus. Matthew 10, 1, um, and Jesus, he, Jesus, called to him 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and, and to heal every disease and every affliction. So Jesus had started to, to give the disciples this power to do these things, that they had watched him do, and got a heavy finger here. Matthew 10, that same chapter, just a little bit later, Matthew emphasizes one more time this, but he said, these 12 Jesus sent out, okay, the, the whole word missio in the Latin, and we get the word mission from, means to send, it's descending there. And so Jesus sent these guys out on a mission, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Secondly, raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. That was the mission that he sent the disciples uh, to do without him being with them. And so... The Bible doesn't really give us any information one way or the other about whether the twelve actually raised anybody from the dead uh, when they went out without Jesus on their mission. But, but there, there is something that's very, very clear in this passage, and that is the disciples understood that the things they had seen Jesus do, the things that they had heard Jesus teach were the things that they were going to be empowered by Jesus to do and the things they were going to be empowered by Jesus to teach to others. He was their model. He was their master. And they were going to be emulating him. And, and so with, with that in mind, when, when Jesus came walking on the water uh, during this raging storm, he, de he declared, take heart, I am, do not be afraid. It really shouldn't surprise us that Peter would think, is this one more incredible power that Jesus is going to give us to be able to do, that he's going to impart to us so that we can do like he does? So he says, Lord, if it's you, call me out there. Command me to come. And, and, and Peter comes when Jesus calls. So after taking what appeared to be this giant leap of faith in the midst of this storm, Peter steps out and he starts to walk across the water until he becomes frightened. He becomes frightened by the wind. 
And as, as it happened in the storm, Jesus called in Matthew chapter 8, they cried out, Lord, save us. And here Peter starts to sink, and he says, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches out and grabs him. And once again, we see that phrase, you have little faith, that Jesus uses uh, at least three times in the gospel of Matthew. Why did you doubt? This word doubt is an interesting word. It has the idea of wavering between two options, uh, but it, it more literally means trying to go in two directions at the same time. Okay, If you guys ever try to go in two directions at the same time, uh, it, I, the image I get is like these cartoons with a guy on the iceberg, and the ice starts shifting, you're kind of just getting split in the middle as you're trying to hold on to one side or the other, or both of them at the same time. And, and so this um, wavering, this doubting, Peter was going toward Jesus and wanting, but then he started to go toward his comfort zone. He started to go to, to, toward his fear, and he started to sink as a result. So uh, we cannot move toward Jesus and allow anything else or anyone else to pull us in a different direction at the same time if we're really going to follow him and grow as a disciple. So if you find yourself going in two directions or multiple directions here this morning, you need to start to ask, you know, what is, what is pulling me away from growing in Jesus? Who, maybe, am I allowing to pull me away from following Jesus? I love this quote um, by Craig Bloomberg. Uh, the emphasis on the failures. Bloomberg says, the climactic focus in this passage rests more with Peter's failure than with his accomplishment. Now, isn't that an interesting thought there? That it wasn't that Peter got out there and he walked on the water for a few steps. What we remember about this passage is that Peter started to sink. And as we, we look throughout Peter's life, Peter's failures, this is going to be our third lesson here today, and Peter's failures led to his growth as a follower of Jesus probably more so than his successes. Now, that being the case, in, in, in our, our passage, Peter, Peter got scared and he started to sink after walking towards Jesus. But what about the other disciples? They were scared too. They just stayed in the boat. They didn't even take the first step. Peter had this audacity to just keep trying. He, he got out of the boat. He, he was not afraid of making a, a fool of himself. Peter would ask questions when nobody else would ask questions. He would volunteer to be the first one. Yeah, me. To Peter, uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed by a kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they were praying, and, and Judas comes in and kisses him, and the, the temple guard is there, and, and Peter takes the sword and cuts off the right ear of a guy named Malchus. John's Gospel is the only one that gives us that particular detail that it was Peter and that the guy's name was Malchus. And Jesus then uh, miraculously uh, puts Malchus, Malchus's ear that Peter had relieved him of back on and reattaches it. Uh, so obviously that wasn't what Jesus had wanted. He didn't really want Jesus to start a sword fight, or Peter to start a sword fight there in the garden when he was about to be arrested. John 18 10 says, Then Simon Peter, half of the sword, grew, struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And then Peter kind of holds back here. Some of the disciples run away. Peter and one of the disciples try to get stay kind of close to Jesus. He's going back into uh, the courtyard there. And Peter 
ended up denying Jesus, we know, three times. That'll be another message later on when he gets restored. But in John 18, 26, it's interesting. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man, that would be Malchus, whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden um, with him? This almost strikes me as funny in my warped sense of humor. <laughs> it's like, hey, aren't you the guy that taught my cousin's ear off just a few minutes ago? <laughs> and Peter denies it. Uh, this would have been his third denial. So, but the New Testament, guys, is repeatedly uh, showing Peter trying and failing. Sean Peter asking questions when nobody else was saying anything. And, and Peter is really thought to be the likely source. This is fascinating. Peter is thought to be the likely source of much, if not all, of, the, of Mark's gospel. Mark wasn't there. Where did Mark get his information from? And nearly all scholars say Peter told Mark about this. And Mark wrote down the gospel of Mark with information given from Peter. Now, <clears throat> Peter is the guy who we know here sunk in the water. That's, that story is not in Mark's gospel. But the story about Jesus rebuking him and saying, get behind me, Satan, that's in Mark's gospel. The story about Peter saying, you know, though everybody else deny you and run away from you, I will never deny you, Lord, that's in Mark's gospel. The, the, the idea of, of, of Peter denying Jesus then three times in the courtyard, that's in Mark's gospel. So why, why would Peter do that? Why would Peter announce his failures to everyone who's going to be reading the Gospel of Mark for thousands of years ahead, even if he didn't know it was going to last that long? Well, I, I think because Peter understood as he grew in Christ that God used his failures to grow him as a follower of Jesus, to understand who Jesus was, to, to understand what the kingdom that Jesus came to establish was like and how it was different than any, any kingdom that this earth would have to offer. And he, he knew that his failures exalted the grace of Jesus, that exalted the power of the gospel. So what about us guys? Now, once we've had a public failure, there's this natural tendency, just like with Adam and Eve, to, to have shame and, and to go and to try to hide. And sometimes we're hesitant to try again. Like, like so many people, my, my dad had a hard time separating uh, religion from the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus, salvation by grace through faith alone. My dad grew up in a small coal mining town in southern Illinois, hard, hardcore uh, living. And he went to this very, very uh, hellfire, brimstone, legalistic church for a while. And, and while he was there, he thought, you know, I, I, this, I'm going to try to become this good person. I'm going to be as in. He saw the pastor run off with the church secretary, and he just got totally disillusioned. And so when I became a Christian at 16 years old, I started talking to my dad about faith. And, and my dad just teared up, and he said, son, I'm sorry, I just tried this before. I just failed. Can't do it again. I, I can't do this. Yeah. 
what's so frustrating to me is you just don't understand the gospel. You, you don't understand grace. You're, you're still thinking that it's about you and your works and you trying to be good enough and you'll never be good enough. And it didn't happen. But after 30 years of praying, somehow God's spirit through God's word and other of God's people broke through to my dad. And at about the age of 63, my dad came, became a born-again Christian. And he spent the last five years of his life in, in basking in the God's grace and his wonderful love for him. So, as Peter and the disciples started off with this blurry understanding, and it became more and more clear more time they spent watching Jesus and interacting with him. But when they messed up, they got up. Okay. When, when they messed up, they kept on trying to come back. And Peter especially. P- Peter and the disciples were convinced that following Jesus meant being sent as participants in his mission to do many of the same things that Jesus himself had done. And, and Peter came to embrace the fact that, that his attempts at trusting Jesus were some of the greatest contributors to his growth as a disciple. So, we, again, the big idea, guys, we, we learn from Peter's example that as we grow as disciples, well, we do grow as disciples by trying and by failing and by turning to Jesus again and again and again. And every time we receive his grace and every time we, we take a step forward in faith and trust, the vision becomes clear. We see who Jesus is more clearly. We see who we are more clearly. We see what his kingdom is meant to be. And then we're not going in two different directions at the same time because when we see Jesus more clearly, there's nothing else that compares. There's no other direction we want to go in. So, guys, most of you now in this room today, uh, well, youngsters out here in your 40s, uh, (laughs) most of you guys today, like like me, uh, most of you have more discretionary time than you've ever had in your lives. You have time. You no longer face the challenge of growing in your profession. No longer face the challenge of growing your family. And probably not even much of a challenge right now that you're spending with trying to grow your wealth. When you get to that stage, there's temptation to say, well, what am I really challenged to do? I'm you know, challenged to grow a golf game? Or am I going to just be challenged to, to, to grow angry at the way things are going in the world? Or just to sit and grow old? The challenge is to sit and to grow more like Jesus. The challenge is to grow as a follower, a disciple of Jesus. And you have time to do that now. That years back when you were running ragged trying to make ends meet and trying to get those kids raised and trying to do all the things that you were doing, you just didn't have the time to do if you're still here, God is not finished with you. So, so let's finish strong, guys. God is calling us to grow as, as followers of Jesus and to finish strong. So if you have tried like my dad did, and you failed, and, and you just get a little gun shy, and you say, you know, I said I was going to follow Jesus, I was going to give him my all, I was going to do it this time, and I blew it again. Well, that's, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. I'll grab you, pick you up. It's like, why did you have such a little faith? Why did you get scared? Now let's go out there and let's, let's do this again. That's, that's the kind of Savior 
that, that we have. So turn to Jesus, step out and try again, and know that if you don't get it right, and you get scared, and you start to sink, he's got you. And as you find him faithful, your understanding of who he is and his kingdom will become more and more clear. Now, we saw Peter ask a lot of questions. And if you uh, have questions this morning, or if you have questions for the group that's online, Send them by email. Give, give them a call. Do, do not just let a question go unanswered because the answer to that question could be the thing that's stripping you up from actually understanding the truth of God's love for you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to just go into smaller groups here. I've got just two questions for us this morning, two, two, two questions for us to discuss and, and share with one another. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that continues to speak so powerfully to us 2,000 years after it was written. Lord, uh, thank you for Peter, for even his humility of, of telling Mark stories about himself that didn't put him in a flattering position, but certainly put you in a flattering position. Directing our attention to your mercy and your love and your grace and your power to redeem and your willingness to forgive and your ability to empower and your ability to, is our whole series is about to use ordinary men to go about accomplishing your extraordinary mission. Holy Spirit, would you take away shame and guilt and anything that would be hindering my brothers and myself today? Would, would, would you put our eyes on Jesus in such a way that everything else just kind of grows dim in comparison? That we wouldn't be trying to go in two or three or a hundred directions at one time, but that we would be focused in on following Jesus and that, that we would allow nothing or no one to stand between us. Help us to continue to grow whatever age and stage we are in right now, Father, but do not allow us to sit by idly watching life and your kingdom go by without participating. We ask this in Jesus' name.